Reading in Church, a proud partner with Audible.com. Previously on Reading in Church and Other Distractions. Um, boy, you know, when I, reading it, I noticed it, but listening to you read it, how he's kind of piling up the platitudes. I mean, a lot of these are platitudes and aphorisms that are common to Judaism, but even in common to, uh, you know, in the Greco-Roman world. It's like, he, I think we're reaching the end. He's like getting platitude. Wrapping it up. Intensive, yeah. Yeah, I like how the guy who said, why don't you all go to hell? And, you know, while yeah. you're doing at that, why don't you emasculate yourselves? Yeah. <laughs> Restore each other in a spirit of gentleness, okay? Yes. <laughs> As I have, you know, been an example of. Yes, yes. That makes me feel better about my day. So <laughs> <laughs> you can rally. I think that's it. But at the end of the day, I think that, you know, yes, at the end of the day, rally. if you've got this spirit of gentleness, that's the main thing. <laughs> So, welcome to Reading in Church and Other Distractions with Rob and Mike. Welcome back to Reading in Church and Other Distractions. I am Robert Wallace. I am Michael McKeever. And we've had a couple of false starts today, but uh, these mm. are the readings for the 17th Sunday after Pentecost, October 6th, 2019, proper 22. So... We will be doing the consecutive readings, but I think we should do all the Old Testament readings and the consecutive readings this week. So let's do Lamentations 1, 1 to 6, and Lamentations 3, 19 to 26, and Psalm 137, because I just can't pass up a chance to talk about Psalm 137. It's okay. mm-hmm. pretty remarkable. Yeah. Then 2 Timothy 1, 1 to 14, and Luke 17, 5 to 10. We're approaching the end of the yes. Gospel of Luke in our mm-hmm. year C. And he lets us Which he is, lets us know that he's getting the the end of the journey. So urgent, oh wow, urgent message. Well, spoiler warning from from Jesus on that. Spoiler yes, alert, so. mm-hmm. the end well, of what Jesus and disciples say what? <laughs> what end are we talking about? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, who's Christ? I have no idea. Um, that's the old, you know, what what year is it? A hundred years before Christ? Who's Christ? I have no idea. It's yeah. a cartoon of the two two people talking. We we'll hope that you will like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, um, leave us an email or send us an email at readinginchurch at gmail.com. Um, we are having all sorts of technological fun today, so we'll see if we can get through this one. See all right. if you can find the edits where we. Yeah, that's right. That's right. See if you can spot it, the edits. Piece it together later. As we go later. through it. So. So I'm I'm leaving for California tomorrow. People are saying you think guys be... edit. <laughs> yeah, right. You guys edit <laughs> I've seen anything. No evidence. No evidence <laughs> yeah. to this. <laughs> yeah, but no. Yeah, I'm flying out tomorrow to uh, come to your state. Cool. And so, unfortunately, I'll still be what eight hours away from you as I fly mm-hmm. to your state. Uh, yeah. Where are you going to be? Anaheim, San Diego. Where are you? Gonna I'll be? be at. I'll be in. Yeah, lobby in Los Angeles. In between or Orange County. Orange County. So, yeah. Between. Yeah. It's like, Anaheim, it's like uh, four and a half hours to LA and <laughs> the next 30 mile, 30 miles can take you an hour and a half. Take another four, mi- four hours. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I really enjoy working with the Samia church and um, they've been a lot of fun over this past few years. And they were so sweet because they said that uh, they were all right with me becoming a pastor as long as I would be their professor still. And I said, well, oh. of course I will come That's... back and lead workshops for them. So so That's we're doing great. that. That's on, great. On preguntas difíciles, uh, hard questions. Yeah. So. Ooh, really? Well, this psalm yeah. would be a good one. Yeah. Well, that, this psalm is actually sort of one of the questions we have. Uh, the three the three hard questions are: How does a Christian 
deal with the laws of the Old Testament? Um, do you follow mm-hmm. them or not? Mm-hmm. Um, why does God seem so mean in the Old Testament? And why do bad things happen? Those are the three questions they wanted to talk about. So, it's because God's mean and capricious. It's because, see, that, I figure if you answer the second question, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know. We'll see. But today is one of those days that uh, I don't know that God seems mean as much as the psalmist seems mean. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about that. Yeah. But all is going well. You got your classes going along. Oh, man. To so many classes, so many, so much grading. It's all front loaded. <laughs> so when you move, don't front load everything. That's it's a good like, idea. You know, the end of the semester is going to be much more, you know, manageable. Yes, if I make it to the end of the semester. So, well, I did, I did see someone say that a sign of adulthood is saying things are going to slow down after this week, every week for the yes, rest of your life. That's, that's what I've been saying. <laughs> that's, it's like I've got things, I've got little things like, well, they're not little things, but they're basic things like a pile of clothes on the bottom of my uh, my closet. I have my own closet, but I can't. I, didn't, I never have time to pick those clothes up and sort them out. I literally, <laughs> as important as that would be, that was that has not been the ur- most urgent thing the last six weeks. It's incredible. I understand. <laughs> yes, I understand. moving, moving, and and then I'm and because I'm in two divisions. I'm teaching in two areas of the school. I've got twice the meetings. So that's true. And no one, no one's like the, everyone assumes, well, the other people are probably explaining everything to him. He probably ever some, someone in right. the other schools probably explaining all the ropes to him. No, no one's explaining no. anything to me. Everyone's assuming that everyone else is telling you what you need to he, know. Huh? Yes. I find out oh, things wow. like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. But better than unemployment. It is. It's great. Yeah. Great. Plus, yeah. Plus I'm scheming like, okay, I need to find all the angles to make this permanent. And we were just talking That's about right. trying to, trying to get, uh, get the rights Some to uh, write this publication series and... of this in this commentary series. So, yeah. So yes, <laughs> the life, the life of faith. I got a scheme from every angle. <laughs> Well, that's, a, as, that's you know, helped me zero so far. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're just trying to be like the unjust steward and uh, be yes, faithful in that is true. money or whatever. Yeah, my uncertain mm-hmm. future, which remains that's that. Right. Yeah. So that you can be received with honor. Well, you think you have it bad. What about these people in Lamentations? That's right. Let's look at Lamentations. Okay. All right. Lamentations 1, 1 to 6. So it doesn't start happy. And I'm assuming the second reading, it's going to all... It does. It, it'll out. all come together. Yeah. It'll it'll all come together. Oh, good. You'll see. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So Lamentations one, one to six. How lonely sits the city that once was full of people. How like a widow she has become, she that was great among the nations. She that was a princess among the provinces has become a vassal. She weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheeks among all her lovers. She has no one to con- to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. This is like a teenage girl writing in her diary. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Judah has I believe gone. this was the basis of the script for Mean Girls. I'm not At sure, lunch, but I think no it one is. would sit with her. <laughs> Judah has gone into exile with suffering and hard servitude. She lives now among the nations and finds no resting place. Her pursuers have all overtaken her in the midst of her distress. The roads to Zion, excuse me, the roads to Zion mourn, for no one comes to the festivals. All her gates are desolate. Her priests groan, her young girls grieve, and her lot is bitter. Her foes have become the masters, her enemies prosper, because the Lord has made her suffer. For the multitude of her transgressions, her children have gone away. 
captives before the foe. From daughter Zion has departed all her majesty. Her princes have become like stags that find no pasture. They fled without strength before the pursuer. Yep, and then we'll skip a bit. All right, skip a bit. Lamentation three nineteen to 26. Mm-hmm. The thought of my affliction and my homelessness is wormwood and gall. My soul continually thinks of it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. There you go. I would have started with 322, but... <laughs> that's just me. Yeah, it's it is a, well. That's because you're an evangelical. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a the, the book of Lamentations. I, it should surprise no one. Is a lament. Um, the the entire book is in fact a lament. The only bit of hope in it is in chapter three. This is it. We read oh. the most positive part of the entire book. Most mm-hmm. of the book looks more Upbeat. like chapter one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, What's fascinating about it is that uh, the book is actually um, an across a series of acrostic poems. So, uh, chapter one, chapter two, uh, chapter three, and chapter four are all acrostics, uh, and you can usually spot an acrostic because it has twenty-two verses in a chapter, or it has a multiple of twenty-two verses in the mm. chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, Lamentations 1, they all have three verses uh, that start with successive letters of the the alphabet. I'm sorry. Lamentations 1 has one verse that starts with successive letters of the alphabet. Chapter 3 has three verses that start with successive letters of the alphabet. So it's 1, 2, and 4. It's Olive, Beit, Gimel, Dalathe. But in chapter 3, it's Olive, 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 Beit, 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 Gimel, 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 Dalath, Dalath. So that that structured this. And... um, I love what people talk about. You know, when you talk about acrostics, you always talk about uh, completeness. Everything from A to Z seems to mm-hmm. be the structure of this that mm-hmm. that you're trying to talk about comprehensiveness. So this is a this is a comprehensive lament is the idea. This is I love what someone called it that this book is ordered grief. Mm-hmm. Um, that this is not simply an emotional response to this. This is a obsessive a thoughtful... re- compulsive re- <laughs> <laughs> obsessive <laughs> compulsive. Has a lot of time down in the pit. <laughs> exactly ordered response. Um, you you make a Jeremiah reference. The book is traditionally associated yeah. with Jeremiah. I wasn't sure where that tradition came from. It turns out it's the Septuagint. Ah. Uh, the first v- verse of the Septuagint says that Jeremiah sat down on the hill opposite Jerusalem and witnessed this and wrote it. So that's where that uh, the Hebrew doesn't have that. Doesn't. Um, but it certainly does have the, the tone of a firsthand account. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of beautiful, not, not only is the poetry ordered with the acrostic, I mean, I cannot think of all of the art would there be required to not just do an acrostic, but do an acrostic that is artful it's, at the it same is, time. It is striking to read this. It is and, amazing. And to have... Look at the reversals in this first section. Um, you have a lonely city that was once full. Um, you have a princess who is now a widow, uh, a, a leader who is now a vassal. You have uh, no one to comfort because she's by herself. Her friends have become her enemies. Um, so all of these these reversals 
as you get in this uh, sort of flipping the world upside down idea. Foes have become masters, mm-hmm. enemies prosper. Um, so flipping that all around, all of that happening in the midst of all of this poetry that's going on at the same time, which I just think is is just beautiful. Um, the end of chapter one is is harsh. Uh, it is the language, and there's just no way around this. The language at the end of chapter one is sexual assault language. Um, I was wondering about the, that. The, the city has been... Uh, abused and and has mm-hmm. been raped by the enemy and and the it, it's personified as a woman here at the beginning and then that that metaphor carries through the end of this chapter and it mm-hmm. is a a triggering graphic detail of mm-hmm. of post abuse kind mm-hmm. of uh situation um it's an incredibly dark passage an incredibly dark book and and even darker when you consider that um the person who is writing this is seeing God as the, as the perpetrator of all of this, mm. um, that that's the reason that God has let this happen. See. Um, and, and cries out that way as, mm-hmm. as though God has let this happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I, I said that chapter three is the, the most hopeful, uh, part of this. Um, even though the thought of my affliction and hopelessness is nothing but bitterness and gall, um, this hope that we have here, that it, it's just a beautiful passage. The steadfast love of God never ceases. Mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That is that is the verse that inspires the hymn. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The the old "Great is Thy faithfulness" hymn comes from the midst of of this, which mm-hmm. I, I'm just it's amazing to me yeah. Um, yeah. that that it's that ver that section that that brings us this kind of hope. So, hmm. um, that word for mercy, God's compassion, um, has no end. So that God is going to gaze down and and uh have compassion on them in the midst of their their suffering so this this the very center of the book is hope okay which is unusual this usually is the center okay yeah usually the end of the book is where you the end of a mm-hmm. lament is where you find hope but this one it's in the very center and then i i told you it's uh 22 verse acrostic 22 verse acrostic 66 verse acrostic then chapter four is a 22 verse acrostic chapter five which is the last chapter is a 22 verse chapter that is not an acrostic. <laughs> okay. The entire rest of the book is an acrostic and the last, and I love the commentaries. Well, it's not an acrostic proper. Proper. And I was like, like an yeah. acrostic proper. <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah. And it goes on to say, because there's 22 verses, yeah. but they don't have them alphabetical. That's <laughs> my phone number, but it's not in that order. Yeah. Not exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like the old Stephen so Wright fun. joke that the store's open for 24 hours. I got there. The guy's locking up. I said, hey, dude, it's 24 hours. He goes, yeah, not in a row. Not in a row. Oh. That's <laughs> <laughs> so it's not, a, not an acrostic proper. What? Uh, okay. Uh, in yes. other words, it's not an acrostic. It's... <laughs> It's just that's deceitful. Um, that's deceitful. It was also, it, it was so funny too because I I've seen I have literally read arguments that well probably just didn't get time to you know finish yeah. it as an yeah, acrostic. It's, a dra- yeah, it's, it's, a, it's like a first so, draft, a draft of, of an acrostic <laughs> where none exactly. of the letters are right. <laughs> this is where this is where I'm going, but I'm going to need to alphabetize the verses later. I yeah. guess uh, it's like yes. no. I get up my I, allow me. Uh, allow me to offer a, a, another opinion yeah, uh, in that 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 perhaps in the midst of this ordered grief, what we have in this amazingly ordered book now becomes this remarkable disjunction at the end 
that does mirror the chaos that's going on mm, in the poet's life at the same time. Mm. That actually the art itself is taking on the form of the feelings of this guy that even at the end, it truly is chaos. Mm. It truly is. It, there is no structure. There mm. is no order. There is no making sense of the yeah. suffering. You know, that's good. Um, it shouldn't be. I mean, we're talking about just heinous acts of of war. Yes. Maybe it shouldn't be a nice bow all the way around it. No, no. And there's not a nice bow on this book, which bothers the OCD part of me. But uh, but the the aesthetic part of me kind of kind of likes it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that uh, that the grief is not ordered. The grief is actually just coming undone mm-hmm, actually, at the mm-hmm, end of the day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, this is but this it, is. A, yeah. Go ahead. Beautiful book. I was just gonna say, it's just a powerful, beautiful book. No, um, it's the writer of, of is extraordinary, and we were reading some extraordinarily beautiful passages from Jeremiah. So, I mean, yeah. they're, they're both very gifted and amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, that comes through in translation is astounding. You know, it's it's like those. It's it's so funny to me that that we have this. Well, you know, we just can't put it into words. And then you have someone who can, you know, <laughs> and it's like mm-hmm. you hear a blues yeah. guitarist or you mm-hmm. hear a prayer mm-hmm. or you hear something that just resonates with you. It's like, you know, I couldn't put it into words until I heard that that put it into words. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really this. I mean, this is a powerful a grief that's beyond expression, you know, a grief that can't be spoken. And let me use a lame is reference. And then mm-hmm. here it is spoken in this beautiful, ordered way that just carries with it such poetry mm-hmm. it's I, I do i i enjoy it and then to have the hope in the middle is i don't even know what to make of that you know that that yeah. unlike a typical lament it's in the middle hmm. but then that's not the end of the story no there's still more grief i can make the confession of faith but that's interesting yeah yeah that doesn't doesn't mean it's the end of the story yeah. <laughs> expressing yeah. faith and then and then and then more more chaos wow yeah. And th- then because of God's great faithfulness, we're not consumed. That's that's a another part of this. That, and I thought, wow, that is just that that is yeah. the, the glass wait, is half full. Wait a minute. You're not. That's not here. <laughs> you're not consumed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's such, I mean, a, that, it's sense, such well, a transition. I mean, it's it's like, you know, and then I recall, you know, God's faithfulness. It's like, that's wow. Yeah. That's not much of a fail. I mean, it, it, I get it. But it's like, wow, it's just that was a quite a segue. <laughs> Yes. Yes. And, and this rest of this chapter, the person does go back to God and say, have you forgotten us? I mean, are, are you, Mm -hmm. you know, are, are you, are we lost forever? Have we been rejected forever? God? I mean, is Mm -hmm. this it? Are we done? Um, and that, and it is, it is an honest seeking of God all the way through it. And, uh, that, you know, you can't, I, I don't want to ever ignore that, that, that this person Mm -hmm. is coming to God in anger and frustration and questioning and that is prayer too, and uh, and we're going to see that in just a second um, in Psalm one thirty seven about how you can come to God. Um, yeah, yeah. How do you so? How do you respond to this? I mean, there's a lot of mm-hmm. theological trajectories that you know that that uh, go different directions from the Holocaust. You know, there's yeah, right. Oh, absolutely. Like, radically, radically changes some perspectives and, and then there, then then there are those who say well, you know where's god he's he's right there you know in the midst of right. that suffering mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um that's not really coming through here but maybe the something that's startling as the hope expressed here is uh something right. speaks to that or uh, groping towards something like that it's, i'm just to make s- struck by just it's just a, a historical perspective on uh, people uh, 
engage in war or come up with theories of war. Yes. And war just always devolves into the the most base, you know, just well, just war, you know. God God supports yeah. just war. Yeah, it and then it always devolves into the the victor doing the most inhumane things to the the, the yeah. victims. It's it's uh there's a bumper sticker I'd see on cars like uh, winning a war is like winning a, an earthquake. You, it it just right. unleashes something that it's it's complete uh, folly is too small of a word. It's foolishness to think that we're in control of something when we unleash something like that. Right, well, it's it's I mean it's the chaos monster unleashed. Yeah, it is. It's it's pretending that you can control Tiamat. Mm-hmm. You know, to use an Old Testament illustration. And it, and it comes do, from a, a you don't understand your own nature that that yeah. that people throughout history they they the good guys engage in the most base activities. This is just startling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that Absolutely. these are the good guys, but yeah. Oh, leave it to an Anabaptist. Yeah, yeah. No, so. Okay, gloomy, gloomy gus about war again. <laughs> well, this this psalm will pick us right up. Then let's go into Psalm one thirty seven because this is this is good and up. Oh yes, so. there we go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this will cheer you up. I know. <laughs> psalm one thirty. Yeah, Psalm. Oh, I'm I'm at uh, Psalm thirty seven. Psalm 137. Oh, I just, I scrolled too far. Sorry. Psalm 137. Yes, yes I went right past it. <laughs> right past My computer is so high powered, it went right past it. Yeah, well, sure. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. All right, Psalm 137, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and there we wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows there we hung our harps. For there our captors asked us for songs and our tormentors asked for mirth, saying, sing us one of those songs of Zion. <laughs> How could we sing the sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my hand wither. Let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites and the day of Jerusalem's fall. How they said, tear it down, tear it down, down to its foundations. O daughter Babylon, you devastator, happy shall they be who pay you back what you have done to us. Happy shall they be who take your little ones and dash them against the rock. Yeah. Yeah. It's a psalm. Everybody Mm -hmm. sing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. This is, wow. Um, This is a worship text. This is is in the hymn book Mm -hmm. of ancient Israel. hymn book. Yep. This yep. comes right after Holy, 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 and just before Great is Thy Faithfulness, we'll sing Grab the Babies and Throw Them Against the Rocks. This is down in this is something. Um this this psalm is as as we remember, uh the Psalms are words to God, to God, which I believe through the canonical process have become words from God. In other words, I believe God is at work in the shaping of our Bible, and I believe that the Psalms we have here, the Psalms that God would have us to have here. And Mm -hmm. this is one that God said, make sure and put in there. And Mm -hmm. so I think it's important to take some time to remember that this is one is one of what is known as the imprecatory Psalms, uh, the cursing Psalms, uh, which are a subset of lament. Um, Psalm 109 is another famous one. There are other Psalms that have cursing bits in them, but this is, those Mm -hmm. are the two uh, largest of them. This one in particular is rather famous. Um, and it is obviously exilic by the rivers of Babylon. There we sat down um, and hung up our harps uh, because 
our uh, our captors are saying, hey, why don't you sing us one of those songs about how Jerusalem's never going to be destroyed? Those things crack us up, man. Those yeah. are so funny. Yeah. Go ahead and sing one of those songs. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the greatest uh, readings of this I heard was actually reading Psalm 137 uh, after the Shoah. It was a Jewish uh, mm-hmm. a presenter talking about how the Holocaust affects how you read something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of his suggestions was to see verses 4 through 7 as internal monologue and verses eight and nine as the answer to verse three. In other words, sing us one of the songs of Zion. mm. And the song is, okay, here's our song. Oh, Oh, Babylon, you devastator. Wow. Um, So that that's a song directed back at the captor. Mm, mm, Yeah. And the people mocking, you're mocking the mockers. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. And I I think that's a pretty good reading of that song. Actually. Hmm. Yeah. I like that. Um, we don't know exactly what the Edomites did. We do know they were involved on some level in the conquest. It's not uncommon for small local nations surrounding other nations to partner with major international superpowers to try to gain favor. That certainly happened during the Assyrian conquest. I mean, Judah did that to the northern kingdom of Israel mm-hmm. during Assyria's conquest in 735. Um, here, there's no doubt Edom did that with Babylon yeah. in 587. Um, it is certainly the Edomites who stopped King Zedekiah and his kids when they were running away from Jerusalem. Uh, and, and apparently they stood at crossroads and took fleeing Judahites and gave them to the Babylonians, uh, oh, the Edomites did. Um, and so that is probably the kind of thing that's being referenced here where, you know, Edom is, is celebrating Judah's fall, fall because okay. with them gone, that's more room and uh, for them to expand, and they go up in Babylon's estimation. Wow, and, you know, play in the politics, and mm-hmm. it's always important. Um, but of course, this is a this is a psalm that is probably most famous for that last line: "Happy shall be they who take the babies and dash them against the rocks." Um, hard for us to s- understand how to sing that, uh, and I think the important thing to remember the, the thing about the imprecatory psalms: I do not think they are prescriptive for how we should feel, neither do I think they're um, necessarily descriptive for a a life of faith, but I do think they are prescriptive for how to handle these feelings when they come. Uh, The the, the psalmist has experienced this tremendous loss. The psalmist has seen what the Babylonians did to them, which included uh, taking their children. I mean, the the image of taking babies uh, and dashing them against the rocks or ripping open pregnant woman as 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 is referenced in uh, Hosea 13 um the the image there it's a powerful metaphor of no future no progeny there mm. there's you're completely cut off you won't be remembered mm. um your line comes to an end i mean and and that's the the image here is 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 that of destroying babylon to the point that they will not have a future anymore that there is no future coming mm. um but the, the, I don't want to pretend that this is metaphor. This literally also happened at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. And so I do think it's a statement of we want to see their line come to an end. Um, but but I, I think it's important to also remember that none of the imprecatory psalms, none of the psalms that asked for a curse against the enemy ever exceeded Lex Talionis, mm-hmm. ever. And so... When the psalmist is praying, when the psalmist is asking for the enemy to come, it never exceeded a suffering that they themselves suffered. In other words, this is something that happened to the psalmist, and so he is now asking God to do it to the person that did it to him. So he's he's literally asking for 
that law of retaliation, that eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. He's asking a response to come, not to ramp it up, not to, you know, the Babylonians pulled a knife, so God pulled a gun. It's not that idea. It's it's just respond to them. Be just, right? Mm-hmm. Respond to them in a just and uh, a way that is that yeah. is in accordance with the law. So it's not, you know, we would read this as excessive, but in the in their world, it wasn't excessive. This was retribution. That this was this they was an eye this. for an eye. This has happened to them. Yeah, this absolutely happened to yeah. them, and so it's right. So. Yeah. And, and so I think that's important to, to acknowledge. Also, I think important to acknowledge is they are asking God to be the one to respond. They are well, not asking to be yeah. the ones to respond. No. Yeah. They're asking God's vengeance, God to bring the reckoning. Um, and then I think the third point that I would, I would say is the, the, the psalmist is really comfortable um, praying this way to God. And that's something mm-hmm. I don't think that we mm-hmm. are. The psalmist is comfortable taking anger and frustration and lament and longing and bitterness, and all of that is prayer. And And the psalmist right. has no problems right. going to God and has no fear that God's going to say, you know, you really shouldn't feel that way. Yeah. I mean, this is, God understands and God is able to love the psalmist through this time of suffering beyond our imagination, right. um, the kind that we saw in Lamentation as well. So uh, just yesterday I was sharing with someone how, you know, anger is, is prayer too. And, and, yeah. you know, that oh, there's nothing wrong. Sometimes that's the only time God hears from people. <laughs> that's true. I mean, really. That's true. And, and, and reflexively addressed to God. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But so this legitimates, this a, I mean, this, this, this creates so much space before God to bring is like, wow, everything's okay. I mean, everything. if this is okay, everything is okay. Exactly. Yeah. Being human in front of God is okay. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. that really is what this says. Having mm-hmm. the full range of human experience and human emotions yeah. is absolutely permitted in the in the presence of God. In fact, I would argue desired by God because yeah. that's what a relationship right. is for. Yeah. You know. Well, it, and you, I mean, to get to get oneself ready to approach God. I mean, like you talk about who who can, you know, climb Zion or approach God, yeah. you know, well, yeah. you have to be the, you know, clean hands and a clean hands and a pure heart, pure heart. But, but that is not what scripture is saying about prayer. And it, it just creates so much room for anything. And the legitimates right. that legitimates that space for like, Oh, Oh, Oh yeah. He, anything. Oh right. yeah. Well, and then, I mean, and taking it to God. Yeah. Evangelicals are better than anybody about talking about, you know, this being a relationship. Well, a relationship is about, uh, you know, community without fear, right? Unashamed Mm -hmm. community with one another, complete honesty with one another. I mean, that's what relationship is truly about. I mean, think about a marriage relationship. You're thinking about, you know, a closeness and intimacy and honesty. Mm -hmm. You know, being able to talk to God like this, to me, is a sign of deep intimacy that our— that yeah, that our fear of it being impious, I think, reflects a tr- a, a shallow faith. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if and and so yeah, sad is prayer, anger is prayer, and happy and joy is prayer too. All of it, the full mm-hmm. range of human experience is prayer, right? And can be brought to God. That's what this psalm says to me, and that's one of the reasons I find it to be so powerful. Yeah, in all of that. Yeah, I'm thinking about um, when you raise kids, if you've left them somewhere. And on the first surface of it, the people taking care of them, they're, they're, they're perfectly behaved and have a great time. Sometimes they right. fall apart when you get home. They fall right. apart because they can't in your presence, you know, and, right. they just, and, and you always hear the worst. You hear the worst of their day yep. because you're the one they trust to share that with. Exactly. And it's interesting how, how that's not 
just uh, when they're little kids, it still goes on, you know, even with, oh, absolutely. You, know, you know, teenagers and, and young adults. It's very interesting that, uh, that that's well, a sign of trust. In, with marriage partners, uh, well, marriage yes, partners absolutely. as well. Absolutely. You know, uh, you, you know? know, sometimes they have to say, you know, I'm the only one, you know, you're the only one I can talk to you about, about this right. stuff. <laughs> right. Oh, yes, I know. Right. Yeah. Well, these are, these are pretty heavy passages, but I felt like all three of them were worth looking at. Um, yeah. You know, the, since I taught laments the other day, I've, this is always coming up. You know, you guys have a pretty, pretty uh, thin gruel in your in your psalter. You don't have m- not much <laughs> spectrum of life experience. It's pretty pretty narrow, you know, compared yeah, to Israel's. Yeah. Just kind of works its way in my yeah. conversation, no matter what class I'm teaching. Well, I always, you know, I say, well, remember, half of the Psalms have uh, elements of lament in them. And I usually say, how how much of our worship is lament? How how much is you know not half? I'm going to go ahead and say not half, not yeah, a fourth. Let's see, zippity doo dah. No, that doesn't have any. Uh, no, that's not it. Climb that's up Sunshine it. Mountain. Nope, nope. Uh, <laughs> climb every mountain. No, that's not it. No, um, the um, you, I was asked. I think I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again because it's a great story. I was asked to uh, to preach at a, ch- a church not far from the college where we both used to teach and. Um, the pastor there. Yeah, that's a, that's former, a lot. There's a, there's a whole story in that. I mean, where we both used to teach. <laughs> yeah, we both used to teach. Yes. <laughs> you tease out a whole plot um, line from that. <laughs> it's true. Shouldn't have done it, man. Uh, Shouldn't have done it. This, this pastor, <laughs> this pastor was an alumnus and, and he said, so I'm curious. I said, yeah. He said, if you could do anything you wanted, if you had a blank check on a worship service, what would you do? And I said, I would preach from Psalm 88 and I would do a full on lament service, not a, not a lament service that at the end undoes everything with happiness, but a full on bona fide, this is going to be a lament service. Mm -hmm. And he said, all right, well, let's give it a shot. And so, so we did, we actually did a a lament service. There was uh, some testimonies that were left open-ended, you know, it wasn't clear allegory. There was a person who'd suffered abuse, a person with a terminal diagnosis, a person Mm -hmm. going through a divorce. And there wasn't a happy ending in these. Yeah. They were just, this is my story mm-hmm. and this is how I felt about this. And, and it was powerful and beautiful and they used some art to do it as well. Mm-hmm. But it was so funny because all through the service, there was always, now, if you're visiting with us today, this is not a typical service. <laughs> yes, right. You know, this is unusual for us. And I thought, wow, one fifty second is too high a percentage for us just to let it sit. You know, mm-hmm. certainly mm-hmm. half would be too many at that yeah. point. So yeah. Yeah, it is. It is hard to have and express that full range of human emotion, and yeah. feel comfortable to do that. Mm-hmm. And yet, the psalmist has no problems doing that, right? Or the lamenter. <laughs> well, the way we attract people, the way we attract people is like, yeah, well, oh, we're never going to market this way. This is really good for us. We should be doing this, but we don't do this very often. If you're a visitor, <laughs> we're, exactly. We're, we're normally we're crushing it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you think about it like a, like a good Friday service. Uh, I don't know if you've mm-hmm. been in the ones where they're extinguishing candles and it's like, yes, you, you don't want to resolve that. You, you know? That's what we do. Yeah. Yeah. It's powerful. Yeah. And I've, I've also been to a good Friday service where they ended up with resurrection at the end of it. Cause yes. they just couldn't, they yes, just couldn't absolutely. stand it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. They just couldn't stand it. So that every thankfully day. since the church we have been at every day is Christmas, even it is. Good Friday. Even that's right. Even Easter. <laughs> Even Easter. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, are... The church calendar is hard to figure out. It's, 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 it's very complicated. Compl- <laughs> 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 oh. Wow. All right. 
those are my scriptures. What you got? Those, those are good. Those that. are good. Let's see what let's see what uh, Paul and Timothy are up to. <laughs> let's check in with Paul let's and see Timothy. Second Timothy. I'm sure Second Timothy is going well. There's some Paul weeping here. There's some tears. So yeah, yeah. He always has some. He's always up. Uh, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience, as my ancestors Mm -hmm. did when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy, implying he's currently not. These guys are all over Uh, the place. It's an emotional roller coaster going on here. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, the faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my ah, hands. For that's God, what we were talking about last week, yeah. That's right. There's your poet, your prophetness. Mm-hmm. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Do not be ashamed then of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God, who saved us and called us with this holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purposes and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, but it's now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel, I was appointed a herald, an apostle, and a teacher. For this reason, I suffer as I do, but I'm not ashamed, for I know the one in whom I've put my trust, and I am sure that he was able to guard until that day what I've entrusted to him, holding to the standard of sound teaching that you have heard from me, in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. Mm-hmm. This is how I write folks who know me really well. Sure, sure. <laughs> this, I mean, this is like a regular email I got from you all yes, the time. I'm, yeah. I'm picturing like uh, Paul and Timothy at a, like a, a Thanksgiving dinner, and there's there's people who like aren't believers there, and like let's pray, and then Paul prays something like this. You know, it's like <laughs> this isn't this isn't a real prayer. <laughs> this is a this is yeah this is, this yeah. is odd. Yeah, I know this. Different. I know I I know Paul. I know you're an apostle by the will of God for the sake of the promise of life. <laughs> why yeah. why oh oh the turkey's getting cold. <laughs> Uncle Bob. Yeah, I get it. I get it. <laughs> right. This is a stage whisper. Is that what you say? This is a, uh, a letter read in the congregation to purportedly to Timothy, but it is, you know, it, it, well, purportedly to Timothy. It could be purportedly to Timothy if it's Paul. It could be purportedly to Timothy if it's not Paul, because yeah. the function of letters are different back then. And that, that makes it easier for me to, to think. Know, I, yeah. I knew we talk about that. This is one of those, what we call disputed letters and people wonder mm-hmm. about the original authorship, but it was interesting to me how much something like, Eight and nine sounded mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the end of Second Cor- Corinthians, you know, and that where you're where something that you would yeah. normally think of as being shameful, he's mm-hmm. in prison, and that mm-hmm. would cost him honor. He's yeah. saying, no, 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 that's actually something that's that is honorful, like mm-hmm, being mm-hmm. beaten, you know, or yeah. shipwrecked, or right. falling among thieves, something yeah. that shows that you're an apostle. Right, <laughs> like, right, yeah, the, the, okay. the, the paradoxical kind of uh, resume of, eight, of, nine, of, an, of an apostle. I've never been reminded like that, but for some reason, 8 well, and 9 today reminded me of Second Corinthians. Yeah, yeah, and and there are things even in letters that people say that doesn't sound like Paul, where he, he steps into a voice is like, well, that it absolutely sounds like Paul. Yeah, you know, if you're, yeah. wouldn't you, you know, round that off and polish it a bit more. So 
and and the, to have these different layers of audiences for a letter is interesting. When you're just like, oh, he's just stepped into, uh, he's got a foot in talking mm-hmm. to Timothy now, and now he's talking to the congregation. Right. It's it's hard it's hard to hear this. You know, the thing, the fact, you know, I do, I do put trust in the, in the canon, in the canonical process that whether this is from Paul to Timothy or purportedly so, it is, it is an authoritative um, representation of Paul, you know, uh, here's here's a, and really one that's kind of summing up, you know, at the end of his, Mm -hmm. his life or someone just after that, who is summing up, Um, here's the Mm -hmm. Paul that we've come to know and uh who we want who in in this particular part of the letter i think the whole letter is like we want to perpetuate his faith his mm-hmm. his uh body of doctrine that he's passed down um his and and things like uh, don't be ashamed of me in his lifestyle of, of this is what it means to be servants of christ that uh we will follow in those footsteps and not uh you know, we will you know embrace suffering as soldiers for christ so, regardless, the the goal, the it's an authoritative uh, voice of Paul in some fashion. Mm-hmm. I think you get through the through through the canon here, and it's powerful. I mean, I remember trying to jog with this, <laughs> this in my little <laughs> my little plastic slip, and not succeeding. Thinking, man, this would be great mm-hmm. if it really worked because this is a good passage. <laughs> it's hard to run with the scripture. It is. It is hard to run. You just gotta walk. Paul would use the term walk, walking in, walking yeah. in the Lord. Sit, walking in sit, faith. Sit, stand, walking in faith. Sit, stand, walk. Yes. Those are his favorite yeah. running. I, did, I guess he did run the course. Okay. He, he had all the metaphors, all the feels, all the metaphors, tears, joy. This is not unusual mm. for them to talk about tears though, in letters, uh, or express, express this at, upon parting, you know, weeping on each other. You read mm-hmm. about that in Acts and it's, it's a common sort of thing in that culture to, to do that. You just. You just let it all out there, and then you write about it too. So, and then the other the other extremes, joy. Um, yeah, Timothy. It's 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 great to have uh, this connection between Paul and Timothy. And you think about um, passing down the faith. Um, Paul, yeah. who's um, Paul, who never had kids, as far as we know, <laughs> and right. Timothy doesn't have a believing father. So there's that. <laughs> it's an interesting relationship. Um, that through which we hear this this uh, authentic uh, kind of summation of his his uh, a mature I guess a mature or a well rounded faith uh, yeah. that he's handed down to Timothy who's been his right hand person for forever for years and co author of epistles and kind of kind of think of it as extraordinary as a person that Paul is. And uh, some extraordinary apostles who he's abandoned on the trail. <laughs> Timothy kind of comes off like Timothy must have been rather extraordinary too, you know. Well, he had to have been. This is this is the same Timothy that Paul said in Corinthians, "I'm sending you Timothy so you can see what a Christian looks like." <laughs> yeah, you know. Exactly. I mean, that's like, yeah. geez, what kind of pressure is going to be on that kid? That yeah, uh, <laughs> you know. I mean, that's effectively that's what he says. I'm sending you Timothy so you can see what you're supposed to be looking like this is this is what you're supposed to do not what you're doing jeez yeah do you have yeah. any friends like that do you have any friends where you say i'm sending you this person so you can see what a christian looks like i can think of a couple of people i can I think might. a couple of people i can think of people i've yeah. never heard i i think back on, on my entire relationship i've never had heard them say a bad thing about anyone yeah i go that is yeah. amazingly controlled <laughs> you know <laughs> to not say something bad <laughs> it's yeah. like that's the that's the ultimate control you know 
And, mm. and, you know, and I know they're very sharp and they're thinking exactly the same things I'm thinking and they don't say them. <laughs> right. Right. It's, it's yes. And we know how hard that is not to say the things we're thinking. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we both know that challenge. <laughs> yes. Get those words back. Oh, uh, we'll edit the, <laughs> I'll edit those out on a podcast. Uh, right. In life, so you say. in life a little bit harder. Rarely mm. do you regret not. <laughs> not saying thing. It's way more you regret the things you've said than the things you haven't said. So I might just be speaking to myself. No, no, that's me too. Yeah, this is a um, well. You get a little bit of Timothy's story here. Um, you, you feel piece these in in the letters and in Acts. He has a he has a believing uh, Jewish mother and grandmother. Are they uh, by the time Paul encounters them, they're becoming converts, and um, a unbelieving uh, Gentile father. And he um, uh, has received the faith. So you, that hence you hear through the uh, matrilineal line that he receives his faith through uh, Lois and Eunice. Right. Um, and why he had to be <laughs> circumcised out there on the, <laughs> on the road as you're being, doing strategic ministry. It's like, oh, we're going to be amongst mm-hmm. Jews and Gentiles. We're just going to... Just bear with me on this, this part, Timothy. <laughs> yeah. Just what? What are we doing? Well, circumcised. So, yeah, right. He's a he's a trooper. I'm just saying he's a trooper. He's a he's a team player. Um, Obviously, yeah. And the do not be ashamed. Then this testimony, the second paragraph, beginning at eight, it really does. I do think it. It's it's like you say. It, it, there's a lot of things that are shameful about Paul's ministry that he he's not distancing himself from, even though people are distancing he's embracing. Him all the time. Yes. Yes. I was just talking to a, a, a class, having to modify some of these classes. Try, trying to, I'm trying to be a team player and, and uh, go with other people's curriculum, which is really hard. It's just exhausting. Yeah. It's just so relaxing. I was like, oh, here, here's, here's how I approach this. And then it's, an, mm-hmm. and then, and it's interesting how the class senses you're, you weren't being real before. And then the whole classroom opens up when you're being yourself. It's Right. I don't know. It's right. interesting. Anyway, I was talking about uh, how do we get into Paul quickly in some of these uh, accelerated courses that I'm teaching, and I always get in through uh, his his job, which is uh, shameful in the Greek culture. Work with your hands. It's beneath begging, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a it's a rough trade. Uh, tent making with leather hides, and there's all kinds of reasons that um, like, aren't you a pro? Why do you have to you know? Why do you have to have a day job? Uh, it caused him a lot of trouble at Corinth and other places, but. Uh, that and a, a lot of other things that are ignoble and, and shameful that he embraces. It's like, no, this is part of it. It's just like, well, I don't believe like you do that working is is shameful. That's nothing that's not a part mm-hmm. of biblical perspective. But also it frees him from allegiances of uh, patron-client relationships and the strings attached right. and and uh, quickly gets him in, into a network of people in a new town, uh, uh, goes into a Jewish quarter and enters into a trade guild. Is a very effective minister. Um, but he's constantly bearing this shame and constantly having churches distance themselves from him or portions, factions within churches question him, uh, as he, after he leaves and then superstars come in who are, who don't have day jobs and take money from the churches. And yeah, so he's, uh, he's bearing witness to a, a manner of life that he is living, that he wants to pass down to this new generation. Um, and, and Paul would say the same thing about to the to the Thessalonians, if you want to know what a Christian looks like, just remember how right. I acted among you. you right, know? right. And so Timothy's doing the same thing. So that's extraordinary. That I mean, how many people can say that? You can right. 
it's it's one thing to say I can say that about my friend. I got a few friends I can do that. But how many people can say that themselves? About themselves. Yeah. 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 Except for that time when I, well, you know, do what I say, don't do what I do. You know. Yeah. It's right. Exactly. That. Yeah. Do what I said. I think it was like March 13th to 17th. That was a really yeah. good week. Do yeah. it like that week. Be like me then. And then that, that sermon was, and prayer at the end, that was pretty good. So maybe, maybe that remember that one. part. Be, yeah. That part's good. Remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then he's also, if we look at, uh, let's see, um, I'm grateful to God whom I worship with a clear conscience as my ancestors did. This mm-hmm. is this picture. If you look at the broader testimony of Paul, Paul does not have a weak uh, guilty conscience. And um, some people read yeah. Romans 7, the person who's who's uh, just racked with guilt uh, and unable mm-hmm. to do the things he can do, he, he would like to do, and he does the things he can't do, as though that's autobiographical. There's there's a lot of evidence that that's not the Paul we're dealing with here. This is a guy with a vigorous conscience, uh, understands himself to be blameless before God in many, in many ways. Uh, and and when he's when he's pointing out how wrong he is, he just goes the other direction just as boldly and yeah, yeah. So a robust character, this Paul. Are we in? Uh, are we in Timothy for a few weeks? You know, Timothy. I mean, we. I I don't know. I was just I was thinking. Oh, we're going to do some more First Timothy, and suddenly we're in Second Timothy. I'm not on that on that page. You are you no, on the uh, the virtual lectionary? I can find it. Yeah, I can find it real quick. There are. There is. Go ahead. Curious, but I was curious because that is such a beautiful book mm-hmm. and heartbreaking, but beautiful mm-hmm. um, as it goes through. Uh, we have one more week. In, okay. No, two, three more weeks in Timothy. Wow. So, second Timothy. Short, short epistle. So, well, that's good. Yes, it is. I mean, if you think of it as a summation and a uh, mm-hmm. passing down, it's, it's a farewell. Beautiful. Yeah. 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 What are the last? What are the last words you want to give? Here's six well, chapters. he's probably mm-hmm. quoting some uh, creedal statements, maybe in the second mm-hmm. paragraph. Um, the grace was given to us in Christ Jesus for the ages, but let's see, ten is now been revealed through appearing our our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Um, that's kind of sounds a, a bit a bit uh, uh, liturgical. Liturgical, yeah, uh, um, creedal sort of stuff. Yeah, but a you know a uh, apropos of Paul, who might be, if from Paul's hand facing death, and if if not from Paul's hand, uh, has faced death as a faithful martyr, who is understood mm-hmm. that uh, I can do that. Jesus is is brought life and immortality to light through the gospel of which I am a servant. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he's going into it. He's finishing strong. You know, basically. Yep. Well, right. speaking of uh, increasing faith, how about we go to yeah. Luke 17? Mm-hmm. So Luke 17, 5 to 10. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord replied, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your slave who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, come here at once and take your place at the table? Would you not rather say to him, prepare supper for me or put on your apron and serve me while I eat and drink? Later you may eat and drink. Do you think this, Do you thank the slave for doing what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, say, we are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting oh, that's passage. <laughs> yes, yes. It is helpful to read this in light of... Uh, 
what he said for several chapters now, really, 14, 15, 16. There's actually, as they just seem as disjointed as anything, but there's actually a lot of continuity, as I was trying to persuade you last week. But uh, it's in light of uh, some themes he's, he's hitting even before this, 17, 1 to 4. He's talking about offending. If you offend one of these little ones, you know, it's, it's better that a millstone be, you know, around your neck. And as you know, I don't have to tell you, there's two kinds of millstones that one could yeah. uh, <laughs> be pulled down into the water with. And this is the larger. Sure. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so there's, that, that is reminiscent. I mean, that seems to be what they're responding to about not offending little ones and, and being careful about that. So, and then they say, give us faith. You know, Apostle said, increase our increase faith. It's like, wow, you know what? Uh, so there's things about um, not offending little ones. That's the stuff about that in, in 14, not not excluding people. There's uh, people like the younger son. Uh, there's the stuff about you got to forgive people. If they come and ask you, you got to keep forgiving them. And on the heels of that, they are saying, give us faith. So in in the context of how you deal with others, it's a, it's an interesting thing to talk about faith, but what, what, how we would hear that is something like, well, it's faith here is a, is having the right attitude, having the faithful disposition. So you either have it or you don't, you know, they're almost saying in this context would be something like saying, make us faithful. It's like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) how do we get this far in the story with, you don't understand that, you know, yeah. That uh, if you if you had the correct orientation and disposition, you know, it, it doesn't matter if you have a great faith or not. It's you would do the right thing. Uh, so, but it's talked about somewhat, somewhat uh, indirectly here by saying if you had you know the size of a of, of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry. Every every commentary I looked at said sycamore, and they say, well, the sycamore. You know, they talk about the root system of the sycamore. <laughs> how hard it is to. You know, when you're pulling out trees, right? When you're, oh, how sure. many of us have That's done the, that? That right? was Jesus's point. I know. Yes, yeah, so when you're pulling out trees, this is a tough one. I don't know. Not like with those easy trees to pull out. Um, you know, like sequoia redwoods that don't have a deep root system. Um, right, right, right. I, sorry, this is a, this is this is the fair game and other distractions. I was reading, I was reading. Oh, I don't know what I was reading. I was reading a very old. Um, book about the uh, wasn't that old? I guess the Wawona, there's a tree called the Wawona tree near where I live. It used to be there, and they cut a they cut a, a a tunnel through it so cars could drive through it. Right. And 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 I'm in fourth grade. We're reading about this tree because this tree is like twenty two, twenty five hundred years old. Um, and in this little blurb, they're showing it's like and the uh, in 1969. Uh, there was a particularly strong snow and it fell over. <laughs> and they got a picture of the tree with a, a hole in it so campers can drive through. It's like, huh, yeah, snow. Okay. It wow, did well weird. for 2,500 years, but then yeah. there was this snow that came. <laughs> then the snow <laughs> stopped in, it. Inexplicable so. how it fell over. Anyway, Jesus isn't talking about that kind of tree. He's talking about <laughs> sycamores or mulberries. <laughs> Good transition. Got it. Good save. Good save. Well done. Yeah. Here, bro. So... I never thought there's anything to the sycamore. Now, now I'm thinking about like, hey, didn't uh, didn't Zacchaeus climb a sycamore? Now I got to rethink that. People, my students always make a big deal about what kind of tree Zacchaeus <laughs> climbed, and it's like, eh, I don't think that's the issue. But now I got to rethink some of that stuff. But people never but say I'm the sure same there's tree. A commentary that has been oh. dedicated to that. People never know, say the same question. tree. I don't think they know what this word means. What kind of tree this is? But anyway, 
yep, uprooting a tree, tree and throwing it. That's yeah, what I'm hearing. Which are hard to pull up out of the ground. Which are hard to pull up. <laughs> uprooted and planted in the sea. So this is, it's hard to hear this. Uh, it's, it is something about like, make us faithful. It's like, <laughs> it's like, what? That's such the wrong question. You know, if you understood faith, if you had the right faithful disposition. And that helps you carry into what follows because what he, the warnings that he's giving up to this point have been to Pharisees who are outsiders grumbling about Jesus' practices. Now he's warning his disciples that they're, mm-hmm. that they're representing, giving evidence of the same mindset. The bad guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so one of the characteristics that is hit frequently in Luke is how um, hypocrisy in religion is done to gain uh, status and and favor mm-hmm. with others and, and and sometimes riches. So he takes a, as uh, the opposite sort of example of one who's engages in in great service but doesn't expect mm-hmm. anything. I mean, if there's this is a this is a society. I mean, the Roman world built on slavery. It's a slave society. Right. Um, and they do all this, and they don't eat when you're eating, and they've done all this other stuff. So this is probably a poor, you know, a, a big a big estate would have different slaves to do all these things. Mm-hmm. But here's a here's a poor poor guy with a slave who's you know, who's been working out in the field. Now he has to do all this household slave stuff. And um, mm-hmm. so here's a slave who's doing it all and is not expecting anything. This is like, why would mm-hmm. I expect you to thank me? You know, that's not it's no tip. This this is just. The mindset of a slave. They have the wrong, they have the wrong uh, disposition toward faith. They have the wrong disposition toward uh, service. Um, this is one of those texts that I keep alluding to. I say, this is only found in Luke, and it really sets up. I think it sets up a potential reading that Jesus doesn't eat the Last Supper, or it's depicted in Luke that he's like a slave, he's like a servant who doesn't eat the meal, and that's. That's actually where John goes with his uh, Last Supper theology, that Jesus is a servant. Jesus is washing feet. It's not, he's taking mm-hmm. the the images of the, the, the constituent elements of the meal, the, the, uh, the, the, the bread and the wine, are used to symbolize the service and outpouring of Jesus' life the next day. Um, right. To add to that tradition that Jesus doesn't is at that meal as a servant, and it's not even and 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 says, "I long to eat of this meal, but I won't, but I won't until uh, that day in the kingdom when we eat together." Something like that. Um, there's room for reading it that way, and there are things that set that up in Luke distinct, uniquely that you could. And and if you if it catches your attention and think, "Well, I know Jesus ate the meal," and he talks about the meal, but. If you have a another telling of that, like, no, he's more like a servant. And you know what? Servants didn't eat the meal. Servants served you the meal. Right. And that's another way of thinking about pouring out your life and serving. And they and, eat later. Yeah, they eat later. They eat later. And, and maybe they eat scraps. Which is what he says. Yeah, so that's what right. he says in that context. Okay. And mm-hmm. then, in of course, in Luke, Jesus eats later. <laughs> Jesus right. eats on, uh, on the road to Emmaus and, you know, at the appearances. So um, having evoked that that's the this is the norm for a slave mm. and and this is the mindset that you should have it's an interesting uh setup as they this is one of the places on this long journey where he reminds them just before this that they are getting close to the end and that everything ratchets up in 17 and 18 it's like we you know you need to get this you know we are almost 
there. We've almost reached uh, Jerusalem. So it's a it's a curious. Yeah, I'm, still, I'm still stuck on the meal, so mm-hmm. trying to figure out, trying well, to figure out all the implications of Jesus not eating the Passover meal with his disciples. Well, at, I think I don't think our, Luke. I don't think Luke or John are saying Jesus didn't eat that meal, but John doesn't even include it. Okay. Yeah, that's John, right. John gets your attention yeah. decades into Christian tradition. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, you know, things going in one ear and out the other. You right. sh- you sh- change up the story to to present it from a different angle and not to right. challenge the tradition or like oh yeah let me just point out you know that stuff that we celebrate yeah Jesus didn't eat that meal I don't think that's the point is to like to hear more of um, what what the theology is of the bread and wine those symbols oh. represent those symbols John chooses to present through foot washing it's the exact same right. theology but a fresh articulation right. so that you get it. And so I think Luke is, I think I locate, if I'm not 100% sold on that reading, but it keeps coming up in my reading of Luke. I think Luke's mm-hmm. kind of in between those two. You know, he's not as, ra- yeah. he's not as a, a, much of a, a maverick a as radical as John, yeah, as John yeah. but he might be tweaking things a bit. It's like, uh, if you want to understand what this meal is all about, you need to think about a servant. Uh, you want to think about mm-hmm. uh, what faithful... Um, service to others is, is like, here's the disposition one has. So he might leave room in his telling of that to hear Jesus, to get more um, um, notes, you know, if you're like, I hear, yeah. you're taking a sip of wine. I hear notes of servant in this, you know, yeah. there's a little yeah. bit, a little yeah. accents of that in the, in his reading of the last right. supper. Right. And and it's hibiscus too. Hibiscus and servanthood. And servanthood. Yeah. Servanthood, <laughs> slave, servanthood. Do you think? Servanthood and, and then, but also the hibiscus and maybe yeah. cherry, cherry, <laughs> little app, or is it apple? I can't tell. Anyway, whereas I go, whoa, it's red. Wait, oh, that's where I. Uh, it's Welch's. I sweet. love Welch's. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is how we read. Says the Baptist. Yes. yes. This is what. This is what the uh, the gospel writers serve us. They find uh, vintage bouquet. It's like, right. and this is what we partake of. Oh, mm, I love grape juice. <laughs> Do you have crackers? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Christians. <laughs> Christians. Am I right? So kooky. Am I right? <laughs> well, I think we got a good stopping spot there. So <laughs> That's probably stuff we can work with. We'll just fix it in post. We'll work on that. We'll fix that in the post-production. Well, thanks for listening this week. Hope that you have a great week. Hope that you have, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Uh, leave a review on iTunes. We haven't asked for that in a while. Uh, and uh, have we a great week. We ask for so little. We ask for we so do, little. We do, right. And we, <laughs> we give, give so, so little. Much. We give so little. Oh, well, that's what I meant. That's what yes. I meant. Have right. a great week. Have a great Blessings. week. Reading in Church is proud to partner with Audible.com. For you, the listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, MP3 player. Surely you can find something interesting in all of that. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash readinginchurch. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash readinginchurch for your free audiobook. Go there today.